It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to Argyle Chat, the Plymouth Argyle podcast brought to you by the Herald Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's special edition of Argyle Chat, where we are doing a Q&A session with the Plymouth Argyle chairman, James Brent. Welcome to the show, James. Good afternoon. And joining me to co-host the show will be my Herald colleague, Jack Ball. Hi, Jack. Afternoon. So, James, it's all very quiet here on the home park front right now, although we can see there is a lot of work being done on the pitch. I guess that doesn't tell the whole story, though, and there is plenty of activity going on behind the scenes. Yeah, it's, it's a fairly busy time for us because we're clearly looking at... Uh, at adding to the squad, uh, there's quite a lot of work that's going on, as you say, on the uh, main pitch, but mm-hmm. also on the training pitches. We've further upgraded those uh, with irrigation. We've got drainage, new surfaces, irrigation, new fencing going in. So there's quite a lot of work on that, quite a lot on the maintenance side, and then obviously quite a lot on the planning side for the new grandstand. Uh, on to our questions then. Uh, thanks to all of you out there that took the time out to send one in. We've received a unprecedented number this week, so uh, we've had to pick out the best of those to put to you this afternoon, James. Um, starting off on the play in front then, uh, one player that everybody loves down here at Plymouth Argyle and wants to know what's happening is uh, Graham Carey. What, when, when are the Green Army going to know what the situation is with regards to, to Graham Carey? Uh, mo- momentarily after we know what's happening with Graham. <laughs> I mean, we've uh, we've uh, made him what we think is a very good offer. Um, he's gone away on holiday, and when he comes back to us, uh, we will uh, we will update everyone. But at the moment, we we don't know um, his response to that offer. Do players get a sort of deadline? You get told, you know, we need to have an answer by then, because obviously Derek's going to want to make plans as well, isn't he? We we do indeed. We 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 set deadlines in all of the offers that we send out. Fantastic. A lot of fans are asking, when can we anticipate Derek to start making additions? Um, or is that his business and you hold full trust in him to do that as and when he's ready? Well, we, we, we've got, got full trust in his ability to recruit a good team. I think he, uh, he demonstrated that very clearly last season, much so. but also the season before, actually. And so he, uh, he has demonstrated his ability to build a good squad. Um, he's got more time this season than he had last season because we obviously weren't in the playoffs. And uh, despite the fact he has taken a short holiday, I know he's been uh, working very fully through that holiday. So there's been a huge amount of, of activity going on. Um, and uh, we have, you know, circa 10 new players to recruit. Mm-hmm. Um, and Derek's modus operandi is to try to get his players in before the start of the, uh, of the pre-season training period. So it's quite a tight window. It feels like a long period of time. Yeah. There's quite a number of players, and uh, he's been very, very busy on that. So I think all, all, all I can say is watch this space, but uh, I don't think Derek's likely to lead, leave the bulk of the recruitment until the end of the, the pre-season. Period. I suppose players are on holiday as well, aren't they? So it's about timing everything. Yeah, and, and some players will, will want to uh, see what's available yes. to them, and we know that the, uh, the playoffs um, in League Two and the Championship only finished last weekend, League One a week beforehand. So, um, yeah, uh, we're clearly are keen to see as many of the new faces as quickly as possible, but uh, 
I'm sure Derek will uh, will get them in good time for the pre-season. I'm sure fans will be looking forward to that. Uh, you've mentioned before, James, um, Derek Adams is rightly responsible for acquiring new players, providing they don't come with any baggage. Uh, the guy who sent the question in said apologies, if that's not the correct term that you, <laughs> that you used. Uh, can you expand on what you, what you find unacceptable? And would you block a player from coming to Argyle if you disapproved, even if the manager really wanted him as part of his first team squad? Well, there's, there's actually a very, very strong meeting of minds on this, that, uh, that we, we have a set of values as a club, that Derek is, is very much a liver of those values as much as anyone. Um, the, uh, the test really is whether there's reputational risk, you know, whether it could potentially be damaging to the club uh, in terms of a new recruit. Um, I mean, we could give thousands of examples as to what reputationally damaging might look like, and then it'd be the thousand and first that that actually came to pass. But but I think you know there's an absolute meeting of minds um, in terms of what the club's values are and uh, what the sort of uh, new recruits would look like to comply with that. So I I don't think there's any risk of friction, um, and uh, uh, I, I think it's unlikely to arise that Derek would recommend a player that uh, that wasn't um, an acceptable fit to the club. Um, moving on to contracts, a few people have asked questions about that. There's been a policy of offering one-year deals with an, you know, an additional one year if they meet certain criteria. Is that set to continue or will the club be willing to offer longer contracts if necessary to land a particular player? Yeah, that, that policy isn't a board policy. It's, it's, uh, it's one that Derek has applied on occasion. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's totally right that that's been a sort of most um, uh, most frequent style, but it hasn't been the only style of new contracts. Um, we uh, we have absolute faith in in Derek's um, ability. He himself is on a long-term contract. We are very much looking at um, at developing the squad as part of developing the club yeah. in the medium term and longer term. And uh, so it's unlikely, I think, again, that Derek would come forward with a recommendation for contract terms that weren't acceptable to us. Um, so I, I don't think there would be an issue within reason if, if, if Derek felt that a, a different contractual construct was was better for the squad. I bet it helps you both ways, doesn't it? So if a player maybe doesn't play as many games, he doesn't have to stay on, you don't, you're not tied into a three-year deal, for example, for someone that isn't possibly featuring as much. I mean, it, 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 it's worked very well. I, I think it creates a real focus on the management team and on the players to um, you know, focus on achieving and delivering during one season and um, players know that as long as they achieve a certain number of games that they're guaranteed a, a, a further season and we know that if a, if a player is contributing to the club that um, that we will have them at least one more season. So I, I think it's a very sensible contract um, from both party standpoint but it, it, it's not the only uh, version that we could consider. Mm. Can it also work the other way though, where it's difficult to persuade a player to come down here when you're only given a or offering a one-year contract? Because obviously, you know, football is a very short kind of career, and players might want that security of a of a, of a two or three-year deal, perhaps. Uh, we we haven't, or I'm not aware that it has stopped a, a, a quality, a high-quality player that we want to recruit from joining us. So, I, I mean, theoretically, I guess that might be the case, and we'd need to deal with that um, if it were to be the case, but. Um, most of the players that we, we've uh, tried to recruit have been very happy with that with that structure. Yeah. Uh, moving on to season tickets then, as you enter the ballroom, you said you had a big smile on your face and said you're very happy with the sales of uh, season tickets so far. Can you give us a number on, on how many have been sold so far? 
Yeah, certainly. Um, at the time of coming in, we were at roughly 4,400, um, which compared to the end of the early bird last season um, is 42.9% higher than last season, which is a huge increase. And uh, you know, I, I think it really sort of demonstrates how the Green Army has responded to uh, the success that Derek is delivering for us. And you kind of get the feeling as well that the club is on that upward turn again. Now you've had your, your troubles of the last three, four, five years. Now everything seems to be resolved on, on the sort of financial front and on the playing front, things are going forward and you're up into League One and, as I say, on that upward trajectory, really. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's been, in, in, in terms of all of the, the key metrics, um, whether it's, uh, it's performance in the league table over the, each of the last five years, we've ended up higher up the league table than we did the previous year, um, whereas in the previous three or four years, the inverse was true, that we'd finished lower in the league structure uh, than in the previous year. So I think in terms of performance on the pitch, that's absolutely right. I think in terms of other hard metrics, like uh, we've made profits for the last three years, cash profits. Um, I haven't been through the accounts of all of the uh, 72 clubs in the English Football League, but I suspect we're the only one uh, to have done that. Um, attendances have been up every year for the last five years. Um, we are addressing you know, 10 years of backlog maintenance. Uh, we're taking the training pitches and playing surfaces up to a level they've never been at Argyle uh, during championship years or otherwise. So yeah, I mean, it feels really, really good at the moment. And uh, but you know, what, what's so exciting about it is, in terms of every one of the metrics, we can do better, and we need to do a lot better. Um, being the best managed football club would not be enough. It needs to be the best managed that we can be. And so there's a real focus on what we call continuous improvement. So there's no resting on laurels. Um, we need to continue that trend. You know, clearly it becomes tougher as you get better. It becomes tougher to get even better, but we're really, really focused on trying to do that. And you spoke briefly there about the, tra you know, the training ground. You spoke a bit earlier about the pitch. And one of the questions here is, where has the money gone from the cup run and our success of last season? Where, where's that going? And I'm sure some of these maintenance issues you just talked about is, is one of those places. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, it's different when people ask where money's gone. I mean, money's fungible. Um, we... Uh, we uh, have turned over the better part of seven million pounds, so you can't really say which pound went in which direction. But in broad terms, um, we have uh, strengthened the liquidity of the of the club, uh, which means that we have higher cash balances now than we previously had, and we've paid off um, uh, the debt that we owe to the council for the next two years. So there's no debt burden. Uh, we'd already paid off the other debt, if you if if, if you recall, the football credit debt. Mm as it was called, and we converted all of the shareholder loans into shares, uh, which are never repayable and uh, won't bear any interest or, or anything. So part of it's gone into, uh, into the balance sheet, if you like. Part of it, um, as I mentioned, we had uh, 10 years of backlog maintenance on the, um, on the horseshoe, uh, which we have uh, funded. Part of it's gone into the training pitches, you quite rightly say. Uh, part of it went into... Uh, player bonuses. Um, the uh, the team was very successful in terms of of wins, which are uh, in the top place within the division. The players get a get get a win bonus for every win they make, and they get a promotion bonus for getting the team promoted. So money's gone into that. As I say, we've still got a bit left over um, uh, for a rainy day. I, I always think that fans have that perception where where you have a, a cup run like you had and go to an Anfield and 
make, I don't know what the figure was, say 250, 500,000 pounds. The thought of the fan is, why can't we just invest that in players? But it's not that simple, <laughs> is it? Well, it, 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 it's certainly one of the things that we look at. If you look at our playing budget for next year, it's clearly going to be higher than it was last year. And, uh, and, and um, if one wanted to characterise it as that, you know, that was where the money had come from, uh, from, uh, from the Anfield experience, which was, for us, it was materially higher than the numbers that you've suggested. We, we could certainly say that's what funded next year's budget, um, but it all goes into the pot. Um, and uh, there, there are many mouths to feed, but getting the infrastructure right, you know, 10 years is really quite dangerous to do minimal uh, investment in the infrastructure. I mean, not from a health and safety standpoint, but you do find that certain things will get beyond repair that you should have repaired. So bringing all of that up to date um, in terms of recruiting new players, having high quality training facilities is one of the things that attracts new players. Having a great uh, pitch to play on in a great grandstand is something, in a great stadium, is something that also attracts uh, players. Indeed. Um, a few fans have been asking about ticket offers for next season. Um, a phrase that came up quite regularly was quid a kid. Um, is this something that the club are looking at specifically? Uh, and what ticket offers will there be for, for, for supporters next season? Well, we're, we're, it, it's very, very important to us that we do grow attendances um, at Argyle and uh, as I say for the last five years and each year the attendances have got higher. Um, it's very important to us that we that we grow the young greens that we have um, uh, young people not just in Plymouth but in Devon and Cornwall uh, that sign up to the Green Army rather than Liverpool or Manchester United or someone else so really really keen to build that. We've got a series of, of, uh, of um, efforts that are going in at the moment, the PL2 crews back again. Um, we uh, uh, provide a number of uh, free tickets, complimentary tickets for school kids. Uh, we do the. We had over 2,000 kids here as part of the uh, Devon Junior Minor League um, uh, sort of set up. Um, so, so the, the, there's quite a lot we do do, but we are very proud of what we have here for uh, kids. Uh, young teenagers, families, and we're very keen to improve that. So, any suggestions really welcome as to how we can grow the fan base. I mean, there, there are many, many different ways of doing it. You know, I, I quite like the idea of uh, uh, of you know kids coming in and bringing their parents with them. I think that's just just a lovely sort of construct. So, uh, one question that we had sent in, which I've actually left off because it kind of tied in with that question I just asked you, was. Um, check a trade trophy next season, maybe have uh, an adult paying £5 and they get a free pasty. Another another idea to perhaps consider. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I mean, I mean, really, really keen to uh, keen to look at all these these ideas. I mean, what we need to focus on um, is making sure that we keep the, the revenue generation going because that, that is the lifeblood of investing in the, in, in, in the first team and, uh, and uh, driving performance. But, but yeah, you know, really keen on on those ideas and others. It certainly seems important to you that, you know, from, not just from this, but from previous months to get opinions of fans. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's, you know, there's, as, a, as I say, good, good organisations for me are learning organisations and they're ones that focus on continuous improvement and, uh, and to learn you need to listen. Mm. Um, and the, the people who've got the, often the best views are um, the loyal supporters who, who come and experience games and see things that we don't. Um, so, uh, and we do 
we don't always, when we hear something, put out a press release and say we've heard what was said. But I, I think you know a number of the changes that will happen this season and indeed going forward, people will be able to look back and say, oh, yeah, that's because you know the club recognised they weren't getting things uh, as right as they could do or should do. And one question, I've not seen a question like this sent in before, but they've, someone's asked, will there be a healthier choice from the food kiosks next season? I think they need to get a Forest Green Rovers, don't they, if they want a healthier food? <laughs> I think there's a big question as to whether vegan is healthier or less healthy. Uh, it can give you protein deficiency. But um, no, it, 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 it's a really, really good question. And uh, uh, we, um, you know, through, through the work that our girl in the community does, we put a huge investment into into public health and engagement and uh, prevention in terms of disease and so on. So we, we, we have twice as many people focused on public health and engagement at our gal as we have as at Plymouth Public Health at the, at the council. So there's a huge, and it's a very, very valid question in terms of, uh, you know, are we following that through in the stadium and offering healthier options? And that's something which, uh, uh, which we need to make sure we are. Now, what, what we'll never do is is impose our views, vegan or otherwise, on our supporters, but I think making sure the options there... Um, I mean, it's it quite interesting. We, we, we had, uh, as part of the Family Excellence Awards, which, mm-hmm. um, we, 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 which we won, uh, we do get feedback um, from the, uh, the secret shoppers that come, and one of the compliments they had were what was about the variety of, of foods for children. So I don't think we're necessarily getting it totally wrong, but it is something which I'll go back and challenge and make sure we are um, optimising. Fantastic. Uh, another question we had, and it's certainly been a controversial issue in the last sort of 12 months or so, is the Checker Trade Trophy. I, I thought Argyle actually dealt with it really, really well and really listened to the fans when it came to the vote and, you know, voted in, in favour of what the fans wanted, really. Um, what are your thoughts on the trophy and what will you be doing next season to bring the fans back to watch the Checker Trade Trophy games? Well, it, it, it's, to be fair to the English Football League, which I know is not always a popular stance to take, <laughs> um, with the old uh, uh, JPT trophy, there, there, there was a real challenge there. The crowds were year on year reducing. And so what needed to be done to rejuvenate, to bring life back into the competition? And something needs to be done. Um, now, the, uh, we, we supported the, uh, the Czech trade trophy coming in in the format that it did for last season but as you say we we did a survey of our fans we clearly spoke to the manager I and mean, it's very important to understand positive and negative what impact a trophy like that has on his training regime um, and uh, as you say we voted against the uh, the Premier League format as it's described um, but we were outvoted and, and so you know we are very respectful of the other members of the English Football League and we will do our best to compete in the competition, to succeed in the competition, and to provide a good spectacle for our supporters who come to watch it. Is it more of a challenge now to get the supporters back in, given how the vote turned out? Well, well, it, it was certainly a challenge last season. Whether we get higher attendances or lower attendances next season, I don't know. Um, there was there was some a couple of really good matches that I enjoyed. I. I went and, uh, and saw, I think, all of the, the checker trade matches, and I, I really enjoyed them. And it was a, a different type of, of experience for me, certainly, that it didn't feel very pressurised. I mean, I feel under a lot of 
uh, stress when I watch league matches <laughs> or FA Cup matches or football league ma uh, cup matches. But uh, uh, the um, uh, the Czech trade trophy didn't feel so stressful, so I could just sit back and enjoy the football. Sort of related to that, there are concerns from some fans about the possibility of Premier League B teams one day entering the Football League. Is that a concern you have? We, we've made, I mean, it, it, it's not in the foreseeable future. And I, and I know everyone says that gives you a, a get out of jail free card when you say that. But um, I, I think to introduce the, um, the Premier League teams in, they would need a majority of over 90% of the 72 clubs. Um, I can't see any circumstances whatsoever that our goal would support the introduction of of uh, B, the Premier League B teams into the uh, the competition. And I'd be very surprised if many others uh, took a different view. I mean, certainly the indications that I get from, from fellow chairmen throughout the 72 um, EFL clubs is that there's no enthusiasm for it whatsoever. So I, I, I sort of recognise the concern. I respect the concern. Um, I would be absolutely amazed if we saw that at any time in the in, in the sort of readable future. There is a concern though amongst fans that money talks, you know, and, and I'm not saying this is you because you've obviously voted against the uh, the, the Czech Trade Trophy proposals, but there is some concern that if the Premier League were to offer hundreds and hundreds of millions to be divided out between Football League clubs, that could be enough of a tempter for, for clubs to allow Premier League B teams into the Football League structure? Well, very, very fair, fair challenge. And, uh, and, and as you say, it's, it's very difficult for me. Um, I, I, I can't speak for the other clubs. I can only report back um, uh, what they say. And, and there's no suggestion of, of hundreds of millions of pounds. And that might change people's view of it. But I mean, ju just a, a, a couple of thoughts on that. I mean, one, um, in terms of the contribution that the English Premier League does make to the English Football League. I think we need to be respectful of that, and uh, they do provide funding um, not just in terms of the solidarity payment, but also in terms of funding our our academy setup. Um, so it's, it's not all bad about the English Premier League. And, and again, I I do recognise that's not necessarily a, 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 a totally popular statement to make, but that is my view. Um, secondly, in you know, from our club standpoint, it's all about looking at relative advantage. And if everyone in League One or when we're back in the Championship gets offered another chunk of money from the English Premier League, it increases our dependency on the English Premier League, which is, I don't think, a good thing. And we spend it on doubling the wages of players again, which is what always tends to happen. So the, the clubs aren't better off, and uh, I don't think the relationship with the EPL's improved. So we'll, we'll, if it comes up, and it hasn't been, to be fair, there has been no suggestion um, during the five years that I've been at Argyle, and to my knowledge there hasn't been before that either, that there would be B teams. Um, if it was suggested, they would get the response that I've given, given you. And for me, just merely adding money to everyone doesn't you know, change that view. Great. So... Um Knowing what you know now about being a football chairman, someone's asked, would you do the same again now if Argo were in the same state as you found them five years ago? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's been a real, real privilege. And I say the first two years were, were really, really tough. Um, I mean, they're tough on every front. The, mm. the, uh, I've recounted the story before, but a very experienced uh, football manager who's been a very good friend of the club and very helpful to me. The first time I met him, he said, Chairman, can I give you two pieces of advice? 
um, uh, this is when we'd got uh, one point out of the first 27 and uh, I said what's that and he said you mustn't get relegated to the conference and uh, I said thanks and uh, <laughs> I said what's the second piece of advice and he said you don't stand a chance you will get relegated to the conference so <laughs> so it was very very straight those first couple of years and the, the, the finances were really really tough um, I mean clearly uh, sort of human emotional things like part, parting company with Carl Fletcher who had done so much to uh, to rescue the club and having to part company with him I mean very very tough things over the last three years it's been a a great experience, mm. but I think if, if 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 you look at what this this football club means to its community, and it's not just when it's winning, um, and it, it's it's at every level. I mean, we, as I say, at the Argyle in the Community Foundation puts about two million pounds a year into public health engagement education. That is huge, I and mean, does that you know? It, it, and that's been increasing. So when we took over the club it was half a million pounds I say this coming year is going to be um, circa two million pounds if you look at the um, at the uh, at the outlet that it gives people not just for sporting needs but for emotional needs yeah. if you look at the loyalty that people have to the club it, it is just such an important asset and it isn't just for Plymouth it is you know we are proudly based in Plymouth we're very proud to have Plymouth in the club's name but we are the club of Devon, or at least the western half, northern half of Devon, uh, and uh, and Cornwall, uh, and we're you know it's, it's a great privilege to be associated with the club. And so, where does it rank? What you've achieved of Argyle in compared to your your career, really? Well, in 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 terms of um, I mean, in terms of of, of reputation, I I, I think uh, uh, it's difficult to um, to run a football club in a way that you get universal uh, support yes. there will always be some people that you should have done things a different way that you're doing it for the wrong motivation um, that something's not big enough that something's too big so that it, it is such a, a wide church of emotional thought um, if I was advising someone who was thinking of buying a football club whether it was good for their reputation or not I'd tell them to stay well clear <laughs> um, so the the, the the payback is you know, and it's not a good financial investment, clearly. So the, the the payback is in terms of is in terms of the the self-esteem that it gives you if you do a good job. Um, it is about building something which is really special for the community. It is about seeing our supporters after we've won a match. Um, uh, it's about the sort of Anfield day. You know, to to be chairman of a football club that takes nine thousand supporters, the highest away following, as I understand it, ever to Anfield to outsing Liverpool in their home patch. I mean, there's a real, real pride to it. Yes. And, uh, and seeing this piece of silverware on the table here as well, no doubt. Yeah, I'd pull Derek's leg and say it's the wrong colour. We wanted the golden <laughs> one, but uh, maybe, maybe another season. Uh, where are we up to then? Um, I know if it's a few years away, a uh, question Brad sent, it, sent in again. I know it's a few years away, but what plans have you got in place for the 2020 celebrations here in Plymouth? Well, what, what we're hoping to do, and unfortunately the, um, the booking schedule is, uh, is only two years ahead. Um, we have um, spoken to both the government and the Football Association about hosting two events um, at Argyle. Uh, one's a three-way competition uh, with the Dutch, um, the Americans and the English team uh, for women's, for the senior women's. Um, and, and 
interestingly, in, in the US, women's football is more popular than men's football. Mm. Um, and uh, then to um, host a, uh, a, a same three-way competition, um, either the Dutch, the English, and the, the Americans uh, for the under-21 male squad. So they, they, those are the, the two football events. We are also looking at, um, at concerts. Uh, what we might do to play our, our own concerts and we are looking at, um, at a very important legacy project that would take us beyond uh, 2020. So for me, uh, a lot of what 2020 is about is about you know, really stimulating action within the city. So uh, things need to be done by 2020 because we're not going to celebrate the 401st anniversary. So it's a real deadline to try things to get things done. It's about the year of celebration, which is great. And then it's what do we have after that in terms of legacy. And it may be, you know, from our standpoint, um, at Argyll, uh, one of the legacy assets that we will have post-2020 is clearly a, a, a new grandstand. Um, but we'd also like to look at legacy in terms of competition that goes on beyond that. So we, we have had some discussions with the Football Association as to what that might look like. Yeah, it's probably worth saying to uh, to the listeners out there, we're actually going to do uh, a separate piece with you later on about the grandstand. So uh, if anyone's listening in for any questions on the grandstand, just keep an eye on the Herald website and you'll see all the all the latest from James on that somewhere on the website. Certainly. And do you, do you think the Home Park area would benefit being the home of Plymouth with Raiders, Albion and Argyll all playing at Central Park? As the owner of Pavilions, wouldn't this better suit Plymouth sport? That's one of the questions that's been sent in from a fan. Well, that's great. And, and um, as a starter for 10, and I'll, I'll make a statement very clearly so that I, I leave Central Park with my, uh, my head attached to my shoulders, um, you know, I absolutely passionately believe that one of the great assets of the city, alongside its fabulous coastline and history, is Central Park. So the fact that is green space, I think, is, is absolutely right that it should be... Uh, uh, totally respected and we need to preserve the green space and you know my bugbear with the green space is we need to utilize it much mm. better than we currently do um, it, it should be better utilized but as green space um, having said that we've got some brown space around um, which uh, I think could be better utilized I think the the vision of the city uh, the life centuries we look out of the window I mean that is a stunning asset mm. which is I mean, the fact is painted in talky colours, we won't go into, um, but it is, it, it, it's an amazing asset, which is really demonstrate, you know, one and a half million visitors a year when it was built to accommodate a million, it would, you know, would be much, it would be much better utilised than that again. Um, so I, I think having this as, a, as, as the central sporting leisure destination for the city is, is, is right, but obviously respecting the outdoor green space is part of that, and we will be coming forward fairly shortly um, with plans to move the uh, the ice arena to home park um, as part of that so I, I agree with the uh, with, with, with the general um, sort of principle that with the with home park itself as a great sporting asset and with the life center as a great sporting asset and with the ice coming to home park you know you've got a, a stunning uh, group of facilities yes um, I think with the other bits, there there are some complexities. Um, you know, clearly there are concerns about playing rugby for uh, rugby fans as well as football fans on a football pitch, and there'd be even greater concerns from the Green Army about the damage that uh, yeah. is perceived that the rugby can do. So we, 
in, in terms of the detail of that, I think there are some things that need to be thought through. Fantastic. Uh, James, we've had lots of messages from the Green Army thanking you for what you've done. Uh, David in Dover perhaps summed it up best when he said, I haven't a question for Mr Brent, but I'd like to thank him and the directors for all they've done in stabilising Argyle and en enabling the club to move on as they have done. There's no worse feeling, feeling than the very real, very real possibility you could lose the club you've supported for 35 years. So I genuinely thank him very, very much. I guess there's fans out there that have supported the club for a lot longer that you, you know would share those sentiments as well. But taking you back five years, obviously you weren't a football man when you came to the club, were you? That whole um, the way you've embraced the club, though. I mean, how have you felt that? Have you really, you know, you've really become a, a football fan? I guess. Yeah, but I'd still say I mean I've actually grown to enjoy the game, which I didn't think that I would do, and. Uh... You know, I was uh, so even even in your younger years, you, you never came along to football and watched. No, no, it was, it was uh, when I was at school. Um, uh, rugby was the minority sport. Um, football was the majority sport in the, in the football term, and I chose rugby over football. So so I didn't, and I I hadn't watched a, a live game for twenty three years, and I think that's probably because a client dragged me along, kick kicking, screaming, saying that I should. <laughs> so it, it was. Um, uh, and, and, and I do really enjoy the game. I took my, my, my son up to watch the FA Cup final, which, uh, you know, going up to London to watch an FA Cup, I, I wouldn't have thought um, five years ago that I would do that. So that was, and there was no allegiance to to Arsenal or to to Chelsea. So it was purely to sort of watch the game. Um, but the, 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 the bit which still is, 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 you know, by far and away more important to me and more enjoyable to me than the the game of football that's played is the sense of community that we have it is um it is the uh, the support that is provided by members of the green army to other members of the green army it is the the passionate support of their team it is the gentle banter try and um undermine the opposition and you know some people claim that there's attempts to undermine the official which i'm sure is not uh, not not the case um <laughs> But yeah, it, 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 it's the sense of community that goes around it. So I, I, I enjoy the game of football now. Um, I, uh, I, uh, I enjoy that part, but it's the sense of community which is a really, really gets me out of bed, if you like. And you understand the offside rule as well. I'm sort of getting there. I'm sort of getting there. <laughs> I don't think anyone really understands what it is today. It's so confusing these days. Uh, very sympathetic a... towards officials, mind you, yeah, because you, yeah, you watch the pace at which well. they take decisions and you look at it through replays and you identify that he was probably wrong. And, uh, but yeah. Uh, we've had plenty of fun questions sent in as well. I say plenty. We've got five here that we thought we'd throw at you just as a, a sort of light-hearted way to, to end the podcast. Uh, how many games did you see last season? Um, but you said you went to the Checker Trade Trophy, so no one could, uh, could question your loyalty, I guess. <laughs> I went to the Checker, and I enjoyed it because it was it was stress free. I think I missed <laughs> three league games, um, and I missed uh, the away um, Newport FA Cup game. But I saw all the other games home and away. Fantastic! What former player would you most like to see back at Home Park? One, one fan's asked. Well, I, I've, I've only got that that sort of vision that stretches over five years, yes. so. Uh, um, I mean, there's a few, you know, you could, uh, I did obviously see Paul Wooten his, uh, his second time around, and I think uh, seeing that, um, do I call it the emotional side of Paul, is great to see on the pitch. Um, I think Conor Hurahane, um mm. I always enjoyed watching him, and it's great to see him, you know, having moved up to, uh, to, 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 to a higher level, um, but he, he would be great to have back. And it'd be great to see uh, Mr Carey back as well. 
<laughs> I think this is a great question. If you were given one million pounds to do anything with for Argyle, what would you spend it on? Well, this is the really, the really sad thing about me because I am so <laughs> bought into the fact that uh, of, of sustainable improvement. I'd invest in the infrastructure, um, and uh, you know whether that is is one and a half four G pitches um, for our academy and first team to train on, whether it's uh, a contribution to a dome for training pitches, whether it is improving the uh, the match day facilities. But it, for, for me, this has all got to be about, um, you don't want to spend the million, you want to invest the million and you want to generate £100,000 a year from that. And that will buy you that competitive advantage, not just today, but in the future. So, 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 so that model, we as a board are, I mean, it, it, it astounded me when I came into football that uh, people would spend money on salaries for that season and say they were investing in the football team. No, they weren't. They were spending on a football team. What we want to do is to invest in our football club so it gets better and better and can afford to spend more without uh, uh, taking financial risks going forward. Yeah, all joking aside, you, you talk about 4G pitches there. Obviously, it's very important to get the, the next grade in your in your academy to have that 4G pitch. And I don't think you have one in terms of your the actual club. I know you you got places that you can use within the city. Is is that part of the future plans? Is to perhaps build a 4G pitch, which will be the clubs, so to speak. We'd we'd, we'd love to do that, and uh, I think really important for the academy, but also important for the uh, training as well. Uh, for the uh, tra- training the first team, and you know, it, it, it's if if you look at where the club is at the moment, we we have our reserves, you know. Uh, Plymouth Argyle reserves the emphasis on Plymouth are playing out in Newton Abbott. Uh, we have our youngsters, Plymouth Argyle, uh, under 18, are playing in Tavistock. We have Plymouth Argyle ladies, or I'm hoping we can move that to talk about Plymouth Argyle women, are, are playing out in Alberton Villas. So there's sort of, there's, we need to bring the club back, I think, to the heart of, 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 of Plymouth. Because I say we, we are really, really proud to be Devon and Cornwall's football club but we're also proud to be based in Plymouth and that's where we should be. Another question here is said why didn't you buy Brentford instead it would be better with your name it certainly would for, as a journalist it certainly do well for our headlines. Yeah I'm <laughs> oh, sorry about that. <laughs> no, I mean, joke, joke, joke aside we, we um, when it became public that we were looking at it buying our goal there were uh, we, we got approaches from uh, two clubs one uh, uh, very well-known Scottish football club, and uh, one previous Premier League club, which had uh, had fallen. I think at that stage, the Championship. Um, and uh, the financial advisors sort of briefed me about their opportunity for a for a deal, and I listened very respectfully. And uh, they came to the end of their pitch and said, "What do you think about?" And I said, "Sounds great. Do they play in Plymouth?" Um, and that sort of killed the conversation. So it was. It was all about, um, and it still is about, um, about uh, you know this city, this region. It's, it's not about um, mm. uh, the, you know there is no other football club that we would own, uh, and you can quote me on that. You know it, it is Plymouth Argyle or, or, or nothing. Fantastic. Uh, one final question then: In your time as custodian of the club, have you ever seriously thought about giving up and walking away from it? If so, when? And if not, why not? <laughs> Um, uh, never thought about uh, giving up on our girl and, and, and that's never uh, and would never be an option um, I mean clearly I do think on a regular basis about uh, about succession um, 
I mean, the great thing about a, a football club is that properly managed, it can have an infinite life. Um, the sad thing about humanity is however we manage, and I don't manage my life uh, totally well, uh, we are, we, we, we've got a finite existence. So it's uh, thinking about succession and about how uh, one passes on the reins to a successor is something which has been on my mind from day one of taking over the club. It hasn't been about getting rid of Argyll. It certainly hasn't been about giving up on Argyll, but it is, it is how do we make sure that we continue to progress the club um, independent of the ownership of the club. Indeed. Well, that's all we have time for this week. A huge thank you to James for appearing on the show and answering all of your questions. I should add again that uh, James will, do, will be doing a separate piece with us on the plans for the grandstand refurbishment, which will be in the Herald and online in the coming days. Thanks to uh, Jack as well for joining me. We'll be back again next week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. We are always happy to hear from you. And if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account at Herald PAFC or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.